you have your Bible or your electronic device lifted above your head, let's make our declaration of faith. Somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying word from the Lord. Book of John, chapter number six, verse number 52, the writer declares, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is true food. This is, this is interesting. And my blood, it is true drink. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread, everybody shout this bread. Yeah, this is good. He's talking about true satisfaction of the soul. If you feed on this bread, you'll live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is, everybody say it with me, a hard saying. Yeah. Who can listen to it? Father, now in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you for this opportunity, God, to minister the word of God to people that you love, people that you care about. So therefore, I am careful how I approach this moment because I don't want to lead your people astray and I don't want to stand in the way of what you desire to do on the inside of them. So now, God, I pray that the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart, that they be acceptable in your sight, hiding myself now behind the cross that men may not see. Give honor, glory to Greg. But all honor and all glory. I love you, my Jesus. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. All honor and all glory goes to you. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And if you agree, everybody shout amen. Amen, amen, amen. I'm really excited. We, we began a brand new series on last week simply entitled Party of One, Embracing God's Heart um, for Singleness. And I've really been challenged, and I had to personally apologize to some singles um, individually, and I did it last week corporately, um, for not spending enough time over the past 15 years that we've been here dealing with the state of singleness. We've talked a lot about marriage, and we've seen healthy marriages and relationships, and that's wonderful, but there are some people who simply don't have the desire to marry at this particular season in their lives. And then there are others, individuals, it's not just this season, Pastor, I'm good all by myself. Is there at least one amen up in here? I got one right there. I'm good all, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, don't ever want to go back again. <laughs> I'm with you. So my plans are for the next couple of weeks, we start on this past Sunday, and we're going to go through the month of February. If we're going to conclude with the marriage conference, then I want to spend the whole month of February. Happy, happy Valentine's. Times. It'd be funny when I hear people say that. Happy Valentine's. It's an N, not an M. But anyways, praise the Lord. We're going to spend the whole month of February dealing with uh, single issues. The Apostle Paul writes something in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse number 7, that was just mind-blowing to me. He says, watch this, contrary to not just culture, not just the world's thought, 
But oftentimes, contrary to the church's thought, Paul said, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Who is he? He's a single man. And he's saying that I wish all of y'all was like me. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. And then he goes on to verse number 25, and he's going to highlight a little bit more in particular what he's, what he's lifting about this, this value of a single life. He says, now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, everybody shout present crisis. He says, because what's going on right now, this is, my, this is my encouragement to you. I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But understand, those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want, Paul says, I want to spare you this. Can I get an amen from a married couple? That was a strong amen. What the Apostle Paul is saying, and he's not, he's not trying to downplay marriage, what he's saying is, um, before I propose to my wife, I, I, I told y'all how sassy she was when I proposed, the night I proposed. I didn't finish the, the, the thoughts of, you know, how sassy she was. Um, when I finally proposed and she, she, you know, dried her tears and, and got herself together. She looked at me in the eyes and said, it was November 1st that night. She looked at me and said, well, if you wouldn't propose to me by December, I was headed to Dallas. And she would have missed out on all of this. <laughs> so what the Apostle Paul is saying is, as a, as a single guy, listen at the wisdom. He says that you might have educational goals, you may have business ideas, you may have all of these pursuits and things that you want to do, and it's going to be challenging for you to pursue, pursue your personal plans if you have these emotional ties with the wife or with children. So he says, if you want to be free to live for God, to travel as much as you want to travel, to make as much money as you want to make, to stay at the office as long as you want to stay at the office, to do whatever it is you want to do to honor God, if you want to live without any restraints at all, it's best for you not to get married. He's going he's gonna to echo this in verse number 32. I would like for you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. So as a husband, there are things that I would love to do. I just know I can't do it right now. And his interests are divided. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in an undivided devotion to the Lord. So I'm, I'm with that. If I was a if I was a single guy, man, see, I only preach outside the house maybe four or five times uh, a year because I'm committed to this and I know I can't really book my schedule like I want to minister and preach because I got kids, I got a wife, but if I was a single man, I could pop, I could be in a different city like some of my mentors every week preaching the gospel. Wouldn't have to check in. I told y'all on my first, Aisha's first birthday, fourth birthday, I decided I was going on a fast that day, and I got almost, 
almost cussed out. <laughs> almost. Because I was deciding to fast on her birthday because that's what I did. What you mean you going to fast? You sitting here, all these people, and you're going to be sitting there hungry. And I decided not to fast because I was caring about the interests of the one that I'm getting ready to commit my life to. And there are some of you all, I'm, I'm challenging, you, challenging some of you all as singles to might, you might need to rethink what your plans are because you could be getting ready to enter into a relationship out of the pressure of peers and not what your heart really desires. Can I get a half amen up in here? So this is what I want to deal with here today. Pastor, I'm with you. Sign me up. I want to be able to go whenever I want to go, do whatever I want to do, so forth and so on. Pastor, I want to do this. I just got one problem, and I need, need you to help me. This one problem. My one problem is I don't really want the wife. I don't really want the kids. I don't really want that. But every once in a while, Pastor, I do want to go here. And if it wasn't for this, Pastor, I could be all that God desires for me to be. So, Pastor, you're going to have to help me with my sex drive as a single man, as a single woman. Okay, I want to I help you. Here it is. Here it is. This is what the Bible says if, if, if you're struggling. He says, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they can't control themselves, if you can't stop going there, he says you should do what? You should get married, for it is better to marry than to... <laughs> oh, y'all know that scripture, don't you? Yeah, y'all know that one. Come on here, girl. Stop burning. He goes down to verse number 36, and he says, If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably towards the virgin he is engaged to, so you have a man and you have a woman, they are engaged to one another, but they're live, still living single lives consecrated to what they're called to do at that particular time as singles. We just committed that one day we're going to get together. But you find yourself more and more, girl, you looking good today. He says, if you find yourself in a situation where now you're not acting honorably towards her, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. Somebody shall get married then. All right. So this is, y'all, y'all going to make this hard for me. This is already a challenging message. So, this is what we got. Tim, I'm good. I got this passion to do business. I got this passion to pursue educational goals. I got this passion to live as a single man. My one issue is I want to live for God, but every once in a while the bed calls my name real, real strongly. And, and sometimes I do things that I know are not pleasing to God. And when I look at the scripture, the scripture says, if I'm in that situation, then I need to get married. Um, I got a problem. Problem is, Pastor, I can't get married because I'm 15 years old. Now, I was 12, me and some friends got together and we did some stuff and you know, I didn't plan on losing my virginity that night. We were just experimenting, just playing around. But something happened, and now my sexuality is wide open. And the reality is, I came to your little church, and I didn't plan to give my life to Jesus Christ. I just came because my mama them told me I had to come to church. So I came to your little church. Something hit my heart, 
and I gave my life to Jesus. Now I'm in a real dilemma because I used to be able to go here and get up and not feel nothing at all. Now I go here and when I get up, I feel something grieved on the inside. You're going to have to help me with this. The Bible says I should get married if I got this strong desire, but I'm too young to get married. Well, pastor, I got a problem too. Um, it's been seven years and I'm tied into this divorce battle. I can't go back to that craziness, but I can't quite go on to what I want to go on to because legally and morally, I'm still in the battle of the divorce and my body is calling because we got mad at each other, we had sex, we got mad at each other, and we was like, you know what, this is done. So I went from bam to what? I got an issue, Pastor, so you're going to have to help me. Here's number three. Well, Pastor, um, when it comes to this marriage thing, I, I hated my parents' marriage. I hate my friends' marriage. They don't do nothing but argue and fuss, and I don't want to be a part of that. So I don't want marriage at all. But what do I do with this sex drive that I have if I'm going to live a single and a consecrated life? Here's scenario four. Pastor, my issue really ain't just marriage. I'm a woman, and I literally have no desire at all for a man, period. I desire other women. And what's interesting, all four of these situations literally have happened to this church where these individuals have come in, no intentions at all to be convicted by any word that this little preacher was going to preach, but the Holy Ghost of God hit their hearts. They give their lives to Christ, and now it is difficult for them to go back to life as usual because before, again, prior to salvation, I could lay down, you know, feel a little guilty, but you know what? It is what it is. Go drink something, go smoke something, go do something. But now I hit this bed and I get up and I'm grieved on the inside. I need to know what should I do with this drive that I have if I can't get married or it's not time for me to get married yet. Somebody shall help me, Pastor. Because this is, who that was sure weak. This is what the world says. According to Patricia, the world around you screams out the message that desires, whether they are for food, money, clothes, cars, or sex, must be satisfied. The assumption is that if you desire something, you should get it. If you don't get it, you're somehow deprived. And if someone or something tries to stop you from satisfying this drive, especially God, religion, and the church, they are just plain boring or oppressive, judgmental. When it comes to sexual desires, the world tells you to do what's right for you. And that could be a hookup, a casual one-night stand, a sex toy, pornography, prostitution with your own sex, with the other sex. But it's your choice. The message that modern Western culture propagates is no one has the right to stop you or control you in any way. Culture says you don't just have a sex drive, you got a sex right. So any way you choose to fulfill yourself, nobody should be able to stand in your way and stop you from doing what feels right to you. The problem is you're trying to pursue God and he wants to be the Lord of your life. And you're finding it difficult to really seek him and do you at the same time. So pastor, you're going to have to help me with this. The scripture declares those who belong to Christ Jesus 
have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desire. So, so the Bible is challenging me, although I have this drive, the Bible is declaring that I should, everybody shall crucify, that I got to crucify this drive. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 declares, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. And sexual immorality, that Greek word, encompasses every sexual activity outside of the marriage covenant. Ford declares that each of you should learn to control, everybody shall control, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. The, the reality is, and I have to, God help me in this place, there, there are some, and I've, I've made this mistake, and I've seen it countless times, where individuals in Christendom, when it comes to the, the gay community or those that are coming to Christ from the gay community, there are too many times where we don't really give them the real gospel. Yeah, yeah, e either, either that, that we go to the extreme where, we're, where we tell them how God hates their sin to the extent we make them feel as though that God hates them, or we go to the other extreme where we highlight the love of God to the point where we embrace the idea that God loves you so much that he don't mind however you live. And we know that's not the gospel. But even worse, and I've been, I've been, I've been in this camp, and I've mistakenly done this and didn't know it, where I preached the gospel to someone who was struggling with same-sex attractions, and I was guaranteeing them something that the scripture don't guarantee them. I was guaranteeing them if you really come to Jesus for real that he'll take the desire away from you. I'm going to let that marinate in the atmosphere for a second. Now, real talk, don't raise your hand, but how many of you all have ever had a sexual experience, heterosexual experience before your salvation, but after you got saved, you were still longing for some time? Smell of a perfume, a cologne. Certain music comes on, your mind goes back. So how fair is it for me to say to someone who has opposite sex attraction that sometimes you're going to have temptations, but God's going to give you the grace to overcome it. But look at the man that struggles with homosexuality or the woman that struggles with lesbianism and tell them that if you, if you really give yourself to God, that he's going to change your desires, that you'll never, want, you'll never long for the same sex again. The devil is absolutely a liar. The gospel is not that you won't have temptation. The gospel message is that Jesus gives you strength over temptation. Can somebody say amen to that? The Bible declares 1 Corinthians 9.25. The apostle Paul says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but... We do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Because how many know this body wants stuff that ain't good for it? This body wants stuff, come on somebody, that's going to get you in trouble. Paul says, my flesh wants stuff too. But he says, I choose to discipline my body. And I don't care what your attractions are. Everybody got flesh that they got to deal with. And I, look, look, I don't care whether your attraction is same sex or not. You ain't in a special category because all of us got stuff we want. And every last one of us got to bring our flesh under subjection. Can you say amen to that? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you ain't special. You ain't. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear 
that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He goes on, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, 6, 18 he says, flee, everybody shall run. He says, this is what you should do with sexual immorality. You should run from it. Not entertain it. Not flirt with it. Not say, oh, I can handle that. No, he said, you need to do a Joseph. Come on, somebody. You need to get up out of there. Are y'all with me in this place? The Bible declares, run, flee from sexual immorality. All other sin a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. What does that actually mean? The body is supposed to be a slave to God. This, this, this corpse, this flesh, is supposed to be serving God. But when I involve this body in sexual immorality, I sin against it in the fact that I make it vulnerable to something that it wasn't supposed to be vulnerable to. And instead of serving God, I now use this body to serve myself. He says when you commit sexual immorality, you are sinning, hurting your own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit? I, 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 was, <laughs> I, I heard this preacher one years, years ago. I was real young, and I knew it was wrong then. He says, he says when you commit fornication, the Holy Ghost get ghost. Dude, he said, I was like nine years old, and I was like, that don't sound right. According to Ephesians, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So when you lay down with him, y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. He right there with you, grieved on the inside, but he is still there. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, everybody shall honor God. This is what God wants to the man that's struggling with homosexuality to do. This is the man, what God wants the woman that, that struggles from time, time, time to time with this strong temptation to give herself to somebody that's not her husband. God wants you to take your body and he wants you to honor him with it. Some of us are saying, God, I give, you know, I tithe and I, I give of my time and, and, and I'll, come, I'll show up to church and, and I'll serve in the community and I'll, and I'll be nice to people. But you asking me to, to, to not only allow you to be the Lord of my money, the Lord of my time, but you asking me to be the Lord of my body, everybody shout yes. So this introductory text that I started with, speaks to this whole idea in my mind, the context of it anyway, of sexuality, of what God is asking for the believers, for the Christians to do. Because he ain't just talking to the single man or the single woman and saying, stay out of this. He ain't just talking to them. But he's also talking to married couples. From time to time, the temptation comes to invite somebody else into your bedroom. Extreme cases, threesome. Now, if this stuff wasn't happening in the church, I wouldn't be talking about it. If I wanted to talk to the world, I'd just get on Facebook. I'd just be on social media alone. I'd just stand on the corner right here and preach to the world. But the reality is this mess showing up in the... Preacher came to me one time. It was an old preacher. I, had, I was just starting out in ministry, starting out with the church, and I guess he was trying to intimidate me. And uh, he was like, 
Is your church holy? <laughs> Papa, I started thinking about all the stuff in my church. I was like, no, it ain't really holy. <laughs> I got a whole bunch of, you need to clean it up. That's what he said. You need to clean it up. Reality is, if I cleaned it up, wouldn't nobody be up in here. <laughs> and the truth is, some Sundays I'd have to leave. Y'all ain't ready for that one, though. What I strive to do is create an environment that's conducive for those that's seeking God. Because I realize everybody that's coming in here ain't got it together. This is a spiritual hospital, and a hospital is made for sick folk. I don't want you to stay sick, but I at least want you to come to the hospital so you can get treated for whatever your sin disease is. Can somebody say amen to that? So this message on sexual uh, uh, purity is not just for singles, but it's also for married. Because what I found out is there are married couples that's, invo- that, that's inviting pornography into their bedroom. And listen, I've seen this over the years, and I can prophesy. I can prophesy with my eyes closed. I guarantee if you bring porn into your bedroom, one of y'all going to get hooked more than the other and wind up viewing by yourself. It's your quiet up in here. So keep the bedroom, married couples, holy. Holy. Not just the both of y'all inviting y'all. I, I made a commitment, not to my wife. I made a commitment to my God about my wife. That every sexual satisfaction coming from her. I told God, I don't care if she got a headache or not. If she, don't, if she ain't with it, I'm just, I'm just out tonight. Maybe the week. Heck, one time it was a month. Y'all pray for me. I made a choice not to masturbate. I made a choice not to view porn. I made a choice to consecrate myself to my wife. That's one of the reasons I'm so nice to you. Because I need you to be nice to me. Yeah, you want a new truck? It's yours. What you want? It's all your new house. Let's go get it, girl. Let's sign these papers and get you this house. In the book of John, chapter number six, um, verse number one and two, these boys hear about the miracles, the signs and wonders that Jesus does. And so they come, the scripture declares, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was doing, so they're interested in the signs and the miracles. So verses 3 through 24, 25, Jesus sits down with them, and he teaches them. It gets late, and the disciples are like, send the people home. And Jesus says, no, we want to feed them. So Jesus, this is the miracle of the 5,000. He takes the five barley loaves of bread, two fish. He breaks it, blesses it, breaks it, passes it out, and he does a miracle. And these people are so intrigued by the miracle. Watch this. Jesus and his disciples go to the other side of the water. We pick up at verse number 25, and it says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now, this relationship with Jesus is going downhill. 
And that's what some of you all relationship is now. It's, going, it's not that you don't have a relationship. It's going downhill. You started out concerned about spiritual things. Now your prayer life is just filled with what he can do for you. God, do this for me. God, pay my bills. God, give me this job. Give me this breakthrough. I need this, God. I need that. It's no longer about spiritual things. They came interested about the signs and the miracles, but once they got a feel on bread, now they're looking for bread. Jesus said, verse number 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Now, when we get to verse number 53, he's getting ready to challenge them with something really, really deep. He says, verse number 23, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Now, we understand that this is hyperbolic, metaphoric language that Jesus is talking about concerning having faith in him. Watch this. That he is sufficient enough for all of our needs. Somebody shout, Jesus is enough. They got a problem with this idea of the sufficiency of the grace of God, the satisfaction of Jesus alone. And the Bible declares, verse number 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And there are some people that are sitting here now, and you're saying to yourself, Pastor, what you're talking about right now is a hard saying. Somebody watching me via Facebook Live, this is a hard. So you mean to tell me that if I choose to be a single man for the rest of my life, that I got to wrap my sexuality up? You mean to tell me that, that, that if I have these same-sex attraction, God just can't know my heart, and I go out and live the life that I want to live? You mean to tell me, Pastor, I've been trapped in this divorce for for seven years, and if it lasts another seven years, I got—I can't go here. Even when I feel like it, Lord, that is a hard saying. Pastor, you mean to tell me my wife tripping, and I can't go in the bathroom and just satisfy myself? Y'all to my note, somebody like, shut up. <laughs> this is... A hard, everybody shout a hard saying. Because we live in a culture where it says, do you. If it feels right, do it. And don't let nobody stop you from fulfilling whatever your desires are. Don't matter, you do you. And then our young people, for sure, they got it. They got it really hard because social media is filled with all type of sexual uh, uh, connotations. Every time you turn on the television, can't even watch a decent television show. Can't even sell a car without a half-naked woman on top of it. Kids on the bus watching porn on the bus. I go in the locker room at school. Come on, somebody. One of my boys got his girl in the corner, and I, I, I try to get away from it at home. But, Lord, Lord, here go my parents. Trying to live right, and it is everywhere. Somebody shout, this is a hard saying. And this is what the Bible declares that the people did, certain people did with the hard saying. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, and I know some of y'all are grumbling about this because you can talk about my money. You can talk about little ties. I don't care about that. You can, you can talk about the blessings of the Lord coming. You can talk about all of this other stuff, but please don't talk about what I do in my private time to relieve myself. 
And I'm telling you the things that you're doing in your private time might be attacking your spiritual life and hindering God from doing all that he desires to do on the inside of. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And verse number 66 declares, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And the truth is, when it comes to this message, Pop, that I'm preaching today, I've literally seen people once on fire for God turn, walk with him, no, no more. We have, um, we have um, uh, next step class, class one today, where it's an introductory um, class to our ministry, if you want to be a part of that class, as soon as the service is over, I will be there um, in the back. Um, it's, it's not a new members class per se. Well, I ain't putting no pressure on you at all. I just want to tell you what the vision, what the dream of the church is. If your vision is in line with our vision, I'd love to be your pastor. If not, I love you regardless. When I see, see you in, the, in Walmart, I'll be like, what's up? One of the things that I'm going to say in new members class is we're a seeker-friendly church. We on purpose set the environment comfortable for you to invite your friends and family because there's some people, they will not hear the gospel. They won't hear the message and they won't feel the presence until they get in the building. Some people. Now we teach evangelism and I encourage you to go out and talk to family and friends and all that kind of wonderful stuff, but I want to make sure that this environment is set so when they come in the door, Jesus busts them in the head. <laughs> for real. And it happens a lot right here. So we allow anything in the church, absolutely. Had two homosexual men in here sitting next to each other, two homosexual women sitting ne next to each other, a married man and a married woman <laughs> sitting right next to each other, all kind of stuff that come through the doors. It's only one thing historically over the past 15 years that's gonna got you like kicked out. And I'll, I've only kicked out like two people. I just told them, you got to go, deuces, deuces. This one individual, and this was years ago, years, 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 when we first started. Um, she had literally slept with 10 people in the church. And we only had 50 adults, so one-fifth of the population. <laughs> Come on. This, to her credit, this, this is what I do admire about it. Every time she fall, Pop, she'll come to me. She's like, Pastor, I did it again. Being a good little pastor that I try to be, walk her, encourage her, so forth, so on. This last relationship she was in, it was pretty crazy. It was a homosexual, lesbian relationship. And um, I, I knew I had to talk to her. I knew I had to talk to her. But um, I was just like, I'm not really sure how to approach this. And it was like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I was up thinking about it, and I was praying about her. And I start counting on one hand all the conversation that we've had. And I went to the other hand. And I said, this girl don't slept with 10 people in the church. 
it's time to call her in. So I call her in, man. And I don't care what your struggle is, I want to help you. And I ask the question, what can I do to help you through this? What can I do? She said this, and it, it blew my mind. I said, do you want to live for God? And she said to me, Pastor, this sex is so good. I don't think I want to live for him no more. That's what she told me. I was floored. At that point, there's nothing else I could do but turn her over to herself and pray, pray that God will have grace on you for you to hit your head hard enough to turn around and see that he loves you more. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if she, I mean, let's talk biologically, if she lucky, if she lucky, if she lucky, that orgasm will only last for 30 seconds if she lucky. <laughs> Most of us not that lucky. And, and I'm not being nasty in this, this presentation. I'm going to be very respectful. But um, at the end of the day, if we don't talk about sex in the church, believe me, the world is ready to talk about it, teach your babies, and give you their opinions. So in essence, she said, this 30 seconds that I get every other day, a few times a week, far outweighs my commitment to God. And that sister that day, she turned away from God and hadn't been back since. So is it real? And now some of you all, you don't even know. Some of y'all in here playing with some stuff. And you think like you like slick and you kind of got it together. But the truth is, when you grab a hold of sin, it grabs you back. And it will always take you further than what you plan to go and will keep you longer than you intended to stay. Always. <laughs> always. So if you think that you now a professional, my, my dad used to tell, professional thief, right, Pop? Okay. So my dad, now this is his testimony. He don't share this before. He was a professional thief. Professional. Y'all watch y'all pockets. <laughs> professional thief. Jeff, you know what got him caught up? And you think you're too good to get caught. You think you're too good. I, I got this thing mastered. Then you start being sloppy for real. Start coming home with your underwear on backwards. <laughs> Why is your drawers on backwards? For some of us, this is a warning. There's some ties that you need to cut. There's some things that you need to walk away from. Because, because watch this, there's a line that you, you can cross. That once you cross, and you never know, I'd, I'd be okay. I'd be okay if I knew what a line was. You understand what I'm saying? So if I get close to the line, I could be like, I, I, not, I. But the reality is you never know where the line is. And there's a possibility if you'll cross the line. And after you cross that line, your life will radically be different, both naturally and spiritually. Naturally, exposure happens 
and cause your world to be flipped upside down spiritually, there's a whole nother level of demonic activity that's assigned to spiritual warfare when it comes to sexuality. And for some of us, God has been holding it back, trying to get you to get yourself together. But for some of us, we keep messing with stuff, and I'm telling you, in just a moment, hell gonna be unleashed on you, and what you wanted to do, in just a minute, now you're going to have to do it. Is anybody listening to me in this place? So he said, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I ain't doing this. This is a hard saying. I can't put up with this celibate lifestyle of trying to live for you and then keep this under. I'd rather just have this. That's what Sister Girl chose. So he looked at his disciples, and I'm looking at y'all today. Verse number 67. So Jesus said to the 12, and I'm looking at the 12 right now. Do you want to go away as well? Because it's been some that have chosen sexual pleasures over their commitment to their spouses, over their commitment to their children. I say all the time, the last thing I want to do is be able to look at my daughter and say, I pray you find a man better than your daddy. The devil is a liar. Look at my sons and tell my sons, I hope you are a better man than I ever was. I hope you keep yourself together and keep your sexuality consecrated to your wife because I couldn't to your mother. The devil is a liar. I don't want to do it. So Jesus says, there are some that have left me because it's a hard saying. They don't want to, it's not that they can't do it. It's not that they can't be empowered by the Holy Ghost to do it. They have chosen that this feeling is better than my commitment to you. So I'm asking you, 12, do you want to go away as well? I believe there's some Simon Peters in here that answer, Lord, to whom shall we go? You ain't got to raise your hand, but it's some of y'all that understand. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, it felt good. But when I compared it to what God has in store for me, I'd rather sacrifice, come on somebody, and be with him, you, rather than please myself. Say it plainly. If I got to live holy and horny, I'd rather be holy and horny than satisfied and miserable. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So this is what I want to do. I want to talk to the 12 just for a moment. Because even after a message like this, there'll be some that, are, that will leave here and hear, not just hear the words, feel the conviction. It's just like that young lady who I still love to this very day. I love her. I love her. Whenever I see her, she don't get nothing but love from me. Absolutely, because I'm still praying for and believing that God's going to turn her around. What you mean turn around? That God's going to give her a husband? I ain't praying that God give her a husband. That God's going to take away the, the, the uh, a lesbian desire? I ain't even praying that. I'm just praying that she give her life to Jesus Christ for real. Because if she really gives her life to Jesus Christ for real, whether she have the desires or not, she'll be able to overcome them and live a life that's pleasing to God. That's what I'm praying for. So to the twelve. I got one challenge for you, and then I got one thing that I'm going to bless you with today because I'm going to pray for you. Here's a challenge for you. Whether you're married or single, this is the word of the Lord. Respect the wedding bed. Respect the wedding bed. Again, we live in a culture 
that's anti-honor, anti-respect when it comes to this. Don't care who you with, how long you with them, if you feel it, if it itch, scratch it. But I'm telling you, if you really want to live a life that honors God with your body, you have to respect the wedding bed. Let me give you some text on it. In the book of uh, Genesis, chapter number 1, verse number 26, the Bible declares, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. 28, he gives a command. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and somebody shout increase. Increase in number, fill the earth. So in essence, God says, day one, two, three, four, five, after he finished each day, he says it is good. But after he created humanity, he didn't just say it's good. He said it is very good. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Watch this. God was so enamored by what he created, not, not creation, not the plants, not the animals. He was so in love with the thing that he created in his image. He says, I want more image bearers on the earth. And I'm going to give you a vehicle whereby that you can bring me more folk that remind me of me. I respect this. Because this is the vehicle where God says, you can bring, so you, you, think, she, you, 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 th you think she's so cute or, or, or he's so handsome and, and this is my baby. God says, when I look at that child, I see my reflect, reflection because I created them in my image and in my likeness. Somebody shall respect the wedding bed. Genesis 2.20, the Bible declares, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the ri man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt, everybody shout, no shame. The command is to res respect this, because in the wedding bed is the place of physical vulnerability. Physical vulnerability. And the reason I've designed physical vulnerability is because it's supposed to equate to the emotional nakedness that a couple is supposed to experience. But this vulnerability, this nakedness, both physically and emotionally, it should only be done, watch this, in the safety of marriage. Why in the safety of marriage? Because in the exchange of physical, there's also an exchange of chemical and emotional. At the point of release, there are chemicals, dopamine and oxytocin that's, that's released in the brain, and they're called the love drug because they literally tie you to the other individual that you're connected to. So God says physically when you come together, it should already be legally so that, watch this, when you come together physically, there's a tying also emotionally, and there's safety in marriage, because after you tie physically and emotionally, it's going to hurt like Hades to rip apart. 
And we got too many fragmented Christians today in Christendom because they keep connecting and ripping, connecting and ripping, having sex, getting up, moving on, having sex with somebody else, moving on. There's no safety arc. So at the end of the day, when God is trying to use you, you find yourself half crazy. And the reason you have crazy is because your heart has been fragmented because you've been giving yourself to everybody. This vulnerability, physically, is designed to match the nakedness of the soul. One of the things I hate about riding on the airplane, I always sit next to somebody who want to know everything about me. And player, we, we got an hour and 15 minute flight. I'm going to never see you again. Why should I tell you how many dogs I have and how many kids I have and how long I've been there? Why, why should I make my soul naked? So just like it's not, my wife says it, not smart. <laughs> I told my wife, stop saying that to people. She'd be talking to people, she said, well, that's really not smart. And I told her, that's really just like saying, that's dumb. <laughs> you just call them folk dumb, baby. I didn't call them dumb, I just said it ain't smart. Dumb. If you agree with me, raise your hand. The rest of y'all, I, I don't even care. It's not smart to keep making your soul naked. So if it ain't smart to make your soul naked, it's not smart. And it's not wisdom to make your ne body naked and from somebody who you haven't legally covenanted together with. Am I making sense in this place? I'm almost done. 1 Peter 2.11 declares, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Abstain. Everybody shall abstain. He said, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Um, let me say this. So, um, as a married man, okay, I ain't no chick on the side. I ain't, I ain't doing that. No, no, no. I ain't bringing porn into my, my marriage. Um, but there's another element of marital infidelity. Um... It is emotional entang entanglements that I see from time to time in the body of Christ. So you're not physically in the bed with somebody that's not your wife, but the information that you should be feeding your spouse, your husband, your wife, you're giving it to somebody else. So again, if you keep making your soul naked in just a minute, If you keep making your soul bare by feeding them information about yourself and your dreams and your ambitions and your admirations and your fears and your struggle, if you keep making your soul bare to somebody outside of your marriage covenant in just a minute, not only will your soul be naked, but your body will be as well. And I run into people from time to time, well, pastor, we just talking on the phone. We just text. Well, baby, keep texting you're going to wind up in a world of trouble. Show quiet up in here. Sorry, though. So dearly beloved, so I, we, my, my wife and I, we got this deal. So 
Um, she ain't got no male friends. <laughs> I ain't got no female friends. You just and and I watch this. I know. Hold on. And I know certain couples are different. In that matter of fact, I got one of my mentors. He he talks about this this uh, lady friend he had that they grew up with childhood. And I know certain circumstances are different. We just took this approach. You ain't got no male friends. And the female friends that you do have, they straight. Y'all gonna do me like that. It's all right. I ain't got no female friends. And all the male friends I got, they straight. Okay? So when I send my wife to Dallas or New York or whatever, I ain't got to worry about nothing going on. Because who you got time to talk to other than me and the few friends that we have? Are y'all with me in this place? My God. My God. Some, I had an old girlfriend I ran across on, on Facebook. You know how you have, like, you have like in, in Facebook, you have, like, um, suggested friends? This one girl, I ain't seen her since, I mean, in years, like high school. And she, she came up on my t- timeline, recommended friend. The devil is a lie, delete. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't need to ever talk to you again, period. And some of y'all putting yourself in, the scripture declares, can a man take fire in his bosom without his clothes being burned? And some of y'all got fire in your hands, and you talking about, oh, I can handle it. I can handle it. No, you can't handle it. You cannot handle it. We made the choice, even in our Facebook friends or whatever, that past flames and all that other kind of stuff, that's done with. That's done. Huh? Because not only do I have an obligation to her, I have an obligation to my babies. And not only to them, I also have an obligation to you all as well to walk in integrity. And the devil is a lie. I ain't never, not on this stage, having to apologize for some craziness in my life. The devil is absolutely a liar. So what I'm teaching, I'm practicing. I made a choice to respect not just the wedding bed, but respect my wedding bed. Can somebody say amen to that? And I'm challenging you, if you are single, respect the wedding bed. So this, this is, this, when I say respect the wedding bed, this is more than just, ooh, I ain't going to fall no more. God, I promise you, I ain't going to fall no more. I ain't going to fall no more. No, it's some phone numbers you need to rip up. It's some numbers you might need to, it's some practical thing. If you're going to respect it, it's some practical things that you need to do to make sure you don't fall into this trap again. Some folk you need to disconnect from. Got this one friend, man, I love him so much. I love him so much. What happened to him? Years ago, he was on his deathbed. And his girlfriend broke into the pharmacy and stole the medicine that he couldn't afford to pay for. And so I knew the relationship was unhealthy. I knew that, this, man, you, what in the world are you doing? He'd break up with her, and they'd wind back up together. And I just don't understand how in the world you keep getting back together with her. He finally, finally told me, Pastor, he told me the story. When didn't nobody else care about me? 
when everybody else forsook me. She went into whatever, drugstore, got my medication, saved my life. And that's good and admirable. But you mean to tell me you not finna, you got, because she, because she stole something for you, now your commitment is greater to her than it is to your God. Stayed tied, never could move on because he felt a loyalty. And you got to be careful because some of you all, the devil will try to play with your loyalty. And some of y'all are loyalists. And I believe that. And that's great. That's great. It's great to have that characteristic. But some of you all, the enemy will pervert that and he will exploit that where you have such a loyalty to past things that you'll start violating moral stands devil is absolutely a liar. This girl that I saw on Facebook, it was one of those, watch this. I'm 17 years old. <laughs> I grew up in church. And one of the reasons I know there's some crazy stuff going in church, especially amongst kids, because I did some crazy stuff behind the church kissing and filling on girls while my daddy in there tearing for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, look. <laughs> When y'all see me back in the children's church room just popping indoors, I ain't, I ain't just being pastoral. I'm being fatherly. <laughs> know what's going on in the church house. Praise the Lord. I had made a commitment I was going to keep myself for my wife. I'm 16, 17 years old. Got a little car, ran into this girl. She called me cute, and my mind was just gone. I made a commitment to keep myself because, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't for my wife. They told me I was going to hell. <laughs> and I don't want to go to hell. So, to keep from going to hell, grown folk, we did everything but penetrate. So, I was a technical virgin. I just wonder, is there a difference in laying on the bed or sitting on the bed? Does God be like, as long as, as, long as you got one hand on the bed, is it okay, Lord? You know what I'm saying? I just, I mean, I ain't really get in it. You know what I'm saying? But I did have a foot on it, though. <laughs> I sure did. We did. <laughs> I was dating. I ain't even tell my dad. My dad didn't find out until some, some event we had. She, she wore a dress with a split up to here one time. My dad was like, who is that? <laughs> I don't know who she is. She just, she just came to see me. <laughs> that thing was warring with me. It's warring with my soul. Because, watch this, I'm saved. I got the Holy Ghost of God on the inside of me, so conviction. And every Sunday, I remember on the keyboard, and I'm just crying every Sunday because I know it's like I don't have control no more. <laughs> the sexual stuff we was doing went from once a week to every day, a few times a day. And I'm worn. And I'll never forget my friend. Mark Lemon, 
man of God, going on to be with the Lord, came to me and said, Pastor, he didn't call me Pastor, he called me Greg. You need to let her go. You need to break it off. And I knew he was right. I just didn't want to. Because I was thinking about how we was going to hurt her. But God started dealing with me. And I made up in my mind that I'm done with this. I went to her and I told her, I can't do this no more. I got to live for God. And I know God is not pleased with this. And she cried and I cried and she cried and I cried. And she begged and I'm like, ah. <laughs> Next day, <laughs> she keyed my car and <laughs> broke off my windshield wiper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened to the Taurus pop. I'm filling you in on. <laughs> I'm filling you in on stuff. <laughs> Son, what's wrong with your windshield? Where did this scratch come from? I don't know, Dad. I don't know. <laughs> watch, watch this. It was hard because I, I didn't know what I know now. That every time that we got together, our soul was tied. And whenever, ooh, whenever you break a loose from attachment, it hurts. And you go through these emotional and physical withdrawals. And some of y'all, I ain't just saying this to put my business out there. I promise you, I'd rather just talk about the scripture and not myself. But there are some of y'all hurting right now because you're breaking some stuff off and your flesh like, go back. God knows your heart. He's a forgiving God. How can, here's some of y'all. How can something that feels so good be so wrong? Not just about the sex, it's about the embrace and, and the hug and you know, I was talking about this at the marriage conference. This girl, who that's why when I first met my wife, and she talking about cooking dinner for me, I knew that was of the devil. Look, I just changed your tire. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to eat dinner. I don't want to do nothing. Get away from me. <laughs> because you remember the first time I met her, a year past, she was talking about fresh men, right? Y'all remember that? Watch this. Watch this. There, it had been two years, three years later, had met my wife's girlfriend at that particular time. We were really serious about dating. Hadn't seen this girl in years. I'm at home, and I run into her at a, at a buddy's house or whatever. And she tells me, I hadn't been with nobody since we broke up. And I don't want nobody else. Now, let's be transparent. I moved on with my life. I fell in love with somebody, somebody I'm considering marrying. But she's made herself available. If you still want to, I want to. I had a tough choice to make right then and there. Are you going to leave a crack open in your future relationship and what God wants? Or are you going to go ahead and shut the door? And I'm not trying to be act like I'm so honorable and so, no, no. It was, it, it, look, I stumbled into the will of God. When she said that, I was like, I'd buy, I, I did. I thought, yeah. 
All that didn't help either. <laughs> Listen, I shut the door. I shut the door. Hmm. A couple of months ago, she comes up on my timeline. I hadn't seen her since that day. You think I'm a friend her? Come on. That's, so, so, okay. I'm, I'm not going to be fake. I'm not going to be fake. Let me tell you why I'm not going to friend her. Because I don't know what seeds could possibly be in her. And I don't know if there's a seed that could possibly still be in me. So, in order for me not to find out, delete. Control all delete. question is, what you going to do? I'm teaching something that's very hard and very challenging. And I'm teaching you not something that I, I'm just putting on folk. I'm teaching you something that I, I made a choice to live by. I made a choice to live by. I made a choice to live by this, to walk in sexual integrity. And again, for the singles that's looking at married couples, like we got a, a, a sex license, that, the speed limit, come on, you, you just, you just <laughs> man, I'll be honest with you. When I thought, can y'all handle this or I'm just too much? I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Pop, <laughs> when I thought, when I said, I thought when I was getting married, I said to myself, I'm gonna have sex. All day, every day. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, get in there, I'm ready again. <laughs> then my wife told my my stomach hurting. What's wrong with your stomach? What's wrong with your stomach? Why your stomach always hurting? <laughs> my head hurt. <laughs> I told, I said, hey, go, 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 go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I told, me, I, I was talking to my wife. I said, babe. I said, you heard the week before, the week of, the week. I said, I only get one good week a month. <laughs> no, it ain't like you just got, no, it ain't like that. So if you suffering, married couples, we suffer too. Can, I, can a brother say amen that's married? Can a brother? <laughs> told you. So we're all going to believe God. <laughs> So listen, I'm done. Two things. Hold on. Let, let me see. Is there another scripture? I think I had one more scripture. I think I did. Let me see. Let me see. I think. I think. Okay, I do want to lift this up. Ephesians 5.31, put that on the screen. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a, everybody shout a mystery. <laughs> Profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. So God uses the, the wedding bed. Somebody shout, respect this. God uses the wedding bed, the enjoyment of this one flesh, to symbolize the union of Christ and his church. You got to respect that. Stop blaspheming his sign of unity with his bride. So two things you got to do. Number one, that's some standards that 
some of us got to set in our lives, some boundaries that you got to set up, some lines you just don't cross. For the married couples, there's some lines that you got to set up. For the singles, there's some boundaries that you got to set up. I'm over time. And then for some of us, for the rest of us, for all of us, spiritually, you have to embrace the gospel when it comes to your sexuality. Tim, I'm ready. What's the gospel? So Jesus not only died for my sins to forgive me of my sins. That's good. So if I fall in any way, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he separates me from my sin. Everybody shout, that's good. But not only did he die for the penalty of my sin, according to the scripture, Romans, the Bible declares that he condemned sin in the flesh. In essence, he weakened the power of it. And this is made available to all of us. So prior to your experience with Jesus, sin was the Lord of your life. You sin, not, watch this, not because you wanted to, you sin because you had to, because sin was the master in your life. When you embrace the gospel and give yourself to him, Jesus now becomes the Lord. And as Lord now, he overpowers your old master's sin. So also, the de although the desire might be there, you don't have to give in to the temptation of the desire because you got a new Lord that's in control. So the question is, will you allow him to be the Lord of your life? Or are you just going to keep toughening it out on your own? I don't know about you, but I want him to be the Lord. We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. That word salvation is a holistic word more than just soul salvation, but it's whole life salvation. And this confession of your mouth, confessing him as Lord and believing in your heart, it's not just this one-time experience that brings me into salvation. It does that, but it's a daily choice to make him the Lord. Before my, heat, before my feet hit the floor, I'm making a confession. Jesus, this body, this, this, these hands, these feet, this mind, these eyes, God, this whole body belongs to you. I make you Lord. Now heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite you and extend the opportunity for you, for some to make him Lord for the first time. For others, for him to reclaim the throne of your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Your whole life. God wants to be the Lord over everything. Lord over your decision, more than just your sexuality. Lord over your decisions, Lord over your thought life, Lord over your finances, Lord over relationship. He wants to be the Lord over everything. The Bible declares that he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him don't have to perish, but you can have eternal life today if you will make him Lord. Everybody, heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for God's simple but yet challenging word. It's a hard, it's a hard message, God, because sexual temptation is so prevalent in our society, and not only is it so available, God, but culture is so encouraging to pursue sexual freedoms and revolutions, to do whatever you want to do with your body, but as a Christian, as a believer, we're not born of this world, we're born of you, God. Therefore, we have a new standard of living. 
And Father, there are some in this auditorium today that's saying that I want to live up to your standard, God, and not embrace the standard of the world. So God, for that man, woman, boy, girl, I'm asking you, God, to give special grace today to forgive them for their past sexual sins, God. God, for fulfilling lustful desires, God, for breaking covenants, God, with you, for breaking marital covenant. Thank you, God, that your word declares that if we confess our sins to you, God, that you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I thank you for it now, Jesus.